Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. Food, sports, God, gardening, church, politics, music, movies, comedy, you name it, we talk about it. I'm Cody Stopper. And this is Craig Morton. On this podcast, we talk to writers, teachers, activists, and we seek some wisdom. And as always, we are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but entirely by accident. do that again <laughs> why did i do that i don't know but i just asked you to so well you asked me to but i don't know why yeah i don't either it just thought oh maybe that'll be a good sound to begin with what just kidding yeah, I, I was I, you. Yeah, I, you got that beatbox thing going. I was going. Ah, no, I'm not going to rap. I just had to think twice. <laughs> so I, I'm in my outdoor office, and right now I am uh, assaulting uh, flies uh, yes. with my with my bug assault rifle. You know, and I'm also typically. watching a, a covey of young quail. They're about oh three inches tall, wander through my garden. Aww. Um, there's a part of me that always remembers how I really, uh, enjoyed the flavor of quail when I had it once. Mm -hmm. And I'm just thinking those young quail, you probably don't even have to take the bones out. They're probably roast them and just plop them. You monster. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, geez. Not where I thought you were going. I'm going to go with that. You know? No, actually, I, I don't think I would do that. But you're in the killing mood because I, well, I know I mean, so. that's, that's just rough. I mean, I think it's because as a as an ardent, disciplined pacifist, there's a part of me that feels like the uh, carnivore side of me needs to find expression somewhere. Sure, there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of brutality in all of us. Yeah, I think, I, you know, it's interesting to think about predation, you know, um, yeah. you know, for, for, for most animals, it's just a way of life. That's all they yeah, do all day is hunt and, hunt and eat. Right. Um, all just part of the order. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just, maybe it's part of my own spiritual discipline and my sense of, um, um, well, I think as you Wesleyans would say, this is part of my perfection or my sanctification. Exactly. That's yeah. right. All part of the process. <laughs> All part of the journey. Moving on. Oh, hello. This is Craig, by the way. Craig, the Craig Mennonite the pacifist who's talking about killing things. Craig, killer Craig. <laughs> and then eating them. <laughs> and uh, I'm more like the conscience of this show, I guess, right now. <laughs> so, killer Craig and conscious, <laughs> conscience Cody. <laughs> Always let your conscience be your guide. Uh, So what do you have to do? All you have to do is whistle. Is that that really? Is that it? Yeah, Pinocchio's just supposed to whistle, and then Jiminy Cricket's going to come. Well, Jiminy Cricket, 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's fascinating the thought of a, a wooden puppet whistling uh, since they yeah, really don't have lungs, which they probably shouldn't be able to speak either. But it, the, oh, man. There, there's so let's many wonderful not, things. Uh, let's not dissect it too much. Yeah, it's, it's just there's so many wonderful things in the world to consider. Construction can only go so far. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, you know, deconstruction, right. deconstruction, and then we lead, we go to reconstruction. That's right. Yeah. So and, we deconstruct the Pinocchio story down there. We re- and to the point where we recognize it's all absurdity. But if we're left there, we would hate that story. Well, if we're left so there, we'll, all we have is a life uh, inside of a whale. Yeah. <laughs> But, and so we, we, we that's where the story ends. And then we have that that what uh, was it? Uh, Michael Pollyani called the second naivete. Was it Pollyani? Yeah, that's you know. Oh well, I, I know the the theme. I'm not. Yeah, sure yeah. yeah. And then you know, then we then we're like regurgitated on a beach, and we be, can become a real boy. Amen. Or, I love or it. a real human being, as the case may be. Yep, a real human being. Yes, theology of Pinocchio. That's pretty awesome. Actually, you know, let's more, say more, that. Let's say that. It's more like uh, let, human. What is it? Study human. The an- anthropology. There you go. Anthropology. Yeah. There you go. So anyway, let's say that. Let, let's pick that up again in our P episode because this is not the P episode. We're on the O episode. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you know, I I don't know how many O episodes because we had two two episodes of the letter C. Yeah, or the cuss sound. Or the, the, the hard the hard K sound, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's true. And uh, by the way, what a great set of episodes that was. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm glad, it, I'm glad we uh, separated it into two parts because yeah. uh, they were really two very different conversations. Yep, that's true. They were. But two that needed to be had, I think. Yep. So, yeah, I think beautiful. I think I think it was really it, I think it was pretty uh, it was awesome. So hopefully people by the time they listen to this will go, oh, that was really good. What's happening this time? That's, yeah. <laughs> well, this time it's just Craig and I and we're going to unpack the letter O. You know, and one of the first things about the letter O is the wonderful town of Oshu, Japan. Oh, OK. Not where yeah. I thought this was going. Well, well, do you do you know who was born in Oshu, Japan? I'm going to guess that was the person that we are going to talk about, which is Shohei, Ota, Shohei Otani. Otani. I mean, beat him, that, man. That that is kind of a cool thing, isn't it? Yeah, he's incredible. What a time to be alive! So, so watch this fella. So he's playing. Have you have you watched him in a game? I mean, I have yeah, watched a yeah. baseball game with him. Yeah, yeah, he's fun. It's, so he he played he played baseball in Japan for a number of years. Um, when did he come to uh, the major leagues? Well, so he's been there. I know he was in last year. Okay. Um, I, I, I'm not entirely sure if it was his first year. I, I think it was, but. Obviously, he wasn't being, I mean, he was used, you know, where, pitching, I think he wasn't used as much. 
I know he was used hitting. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, just just skimming his career stats. I mean, one of the main things that pops out is in 2018, it you know focuses on at bats. Yeah. Yep. And so he's he's hired as or he's 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 brought in as a designated hitter. Yes. That was his main way in. Because he's a slugger. Yeah, that's right. He can hit, man. But Woo! but he also can throw the ball. Okay. Uh, I, I mean, Which not I just throw. He's, he's a pitcher. Yeah. No, no, he can't. He doesn't just have like an arm, like an outfield arm. He's actually a pitcher, which I think he's done. I know he didn't do that much in the last two years in the majors. Right. I think in his whole career, that's kind of what he's always done. Like, you know, in the developments and all that. <clears throat> but I think he obviously was more impressive as a hitter, which is what got him in the, in the, uh, in the door. So, but he's really a, turned on the pitching this year. So as a, as a, as a pitcher, I'm trying to find his stats right here. He always shows his batting stats first. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, but as a, as a pitcher, let's see, where's his ERA here? There we go. Oh, for this year. Current. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to see that. Come on, come on. The walks and hits per innings pitched is amazing. That's where is one of his really good stats. His ERA is really decent. It's under three. Okay. It's like two now, is, is, he used, is, is he used as a to, as a starter or is he a, yeah. a reliever? Yeah. No, he's he's a starter. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? He's so the, how uh, does he he hits for he hits for himself when when he is pitching, you know, right. pitching. So, and in fact, um, so when we, when there's interleague play, the uh, they can the um, if they're is it that way if they're in a American League stadium, you know, uh, the National League team can choose to have a designated hitter or not, and. <laughs> they played somebody the other day and he was the starting pitcher. So they chose not to have a designated hitter and the national league team chose to. So it's like the first time ever that oh, uh, really, yeah, that uh, a national league team had the designated hitter and the American league team didn't. <laughs> so what, what I'm wondering about is where do you put, you know, where do you put a pitcher in the lineup? Yeah, when he's that good of a hitter. When he's that good of a hitter, I mean, do you put him in the three or the four, you yeah. know, to get some er to get some some RBIs in? Right. Um, on the other hand, what happens if he's on third base and there's two outs? Um. Yeah. You know, because you've got a catcher in a similar position on base with two outs, you the, the catcher comes out to get geared up, That's and right. somebody goes in as the runner. Do they do the same thing with a pitcher? Oh, that's interesting. I'd have to wonder how long or how often that's happened, and maybe they put in a pinch runner or whatever. Well, yeah, I mean, because he's actually not a bad runner either. He has uh, some stolen bases. So, but but very so so very few pitchers who do bat National League actually get on base for that to even be a question. Yeah, it's not even a problem usually. So what, uh, one of the other, one of the other things I've noticed in in baseball for pitchers over the last 
oh, a few decades actually. So um, in the seventies, I'm trying to remember when when did Catfish Hunter? When when did he? Yeah, seventies. Yep. Yeah, and into you know, the eighties a bit. Yeah, there was a time in the seventies around around uh, his time, and oh, who was the other fellow? Was it Vita Blue? But there's there's a few different pitchers in the 70s and into the 80s that all I remember is they got so significantly overweight. <laughs> yeah. And they, they lost kind of that athletic build. But over the last um, five to 10 years, that's yep. really been a significant change where you've yep. got pitchers who are really taking care of their their them, themselves. It almost was like uh, CC Sabathia was like one of the last, you know, big bulky yes. pitchers. Yep. But it was almost like the more the more girth you've got, the more uh, force you have behind your throw. That's yep, exactly. But I, but I don't think it works that way with physics. No, not necessarily. So I think power pitchers it might a little bit, or it might be more like. Dur I, there's something about durability in there too where overworking the pitcher you know and his physique can lead to breakdown right but and so there's somewhere a middle ground there and that's probably what they all strived for you know was that little middle middle ground no well not all of them obviously cc samathia didn't but well I, and there there was a pitcher and i can't remember who he what his name was but he was one of the uh he was a he was a starter so he opened for uh, Boston Red Sox, and in his last year, last two years, he was part of a trade to the New York Yankees. Okay. Uh, but he was somebody who was pitching late into his career. Yeah. I think he eventually got moved. When he went to the Yankees, he became a reliever. Okay. And But, you know, somebody who, you know, took incredible care of their, their physique. The reason I was thinking about that is Otani seems to be one of those guys who has the he doesn't have that 1970s pitcher body right i mean he's built like he's built like a power hitter oh yeah he who happens to also throw the ball that's right when i look at him i do think that uh, hitter not yeah pitcher. <laughs> yeah he's, he's big he's he kind of reminds me of well actually aaron judge is probably even bigger and and more fit but i mean similar stature you know height and, and yeah. width. Yeah. yeah i mean he's got he's got the pitcher's height like six foot four yeah yeah. Um, yeah he's so fun man and we're talking about him because he's the first person in mlb history to make the all-star team as a pitcher and a hitter which wow so good it's amazing yeah that's that, it, what, and what's fun about that, you know, when I, the, the all-star game sometimes is kind of boring to watch. It's just like, a, oh, yeah. it's like, an, it's like a, it's like a high school exposition game where you're, where the college recruiters are just trying to see who can do something and they do it for an inning or two. And then it's the next guy's turn. Yep. Yep. Um, That's exactly how it normally is. And so, but he's, he's going to be one of the few people who maybe gets more than two innings. <laughs> Go ahead. I mean, he'll get two innings. He'll get an inning or two to pitch and an inning or two to hit. So, yeah, he'll he'll get a little more uh, he'll he'll get a little more exposure than others. So, oh yeah, that's cool. 
So that's 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 the first letter O. And while we're thinking um, about it, and I'll let you uh, wax homiletically about this. And how would you use that as a sermon illustration? Uh, uh him. Yes, as a person. Or so, yeah, you could say uh, you could use him as an illustration for uh, when Paul talks about be ready in season or out of season, like. Um, be ready for anything, you know, be prepared for anything because you might have to hit, you might have to pitch. That's pretty good. That's, that's pretty good. That's okay. That's one. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, like similar, all things to all people, you know, like, or contextualization, like in this situation, this is the tool I need hitting in this situation. This is the tool I need, you know, pitching. So you could do that. Um, hmm. what else, you know, something also about like, uh, so I'm reading people's, uh, reactions to them. They're upset that people are comparing him to Babe Ruth because they're the, you know, the purists, the traditionalists and they're right. nobody, you can't come in. He's only two years or whatever in the league. And, uh, he flash, they're thinking maybe flash in the pan and, uh, so uh, they don't want the competitive, but what else, who else can you compare to? Well, yeah. Who else can you compare to? But yeah, if you're a flash in the pan in major league in, you know, 2020, 21, you're playing 168 games. How many games yeah. were there for Babe Ruth? I, I, I don't know, but I'm, I'm, I'm lot, guessing, so. I'm guessing you could reduce it by about half. You know, yeah, 80 to 100 games. Yeah. Um, well, and the other thing is, so when I see this comparisons, like that, they, they, you know, everyone thinks of Babe Ruth as a hitter, but obviously he was also a pitcher for a little bit too, especially right. when he was with, with Boston. But uh, they, um, they are like, he's, but when you compare their pitching, actually, Shay, this guy's, I keep wanting to say his name wrong. Shay, she, Oh, shy, shy, how do you say it, Craig? I just, I just call him Otani. Okay, Otani. Otani is a is actually a much better pitcher than Babe Ruth was. So he, Babe Ruth, still had his uh, some eye popping stats as a pitcher, but overall, the overall quality, like ERA, all that stuff, this guy's uh, better, better pitcher. So uh, I, I did a little uh, quick um, Google search. Apparently, I was wrong. Um, uh, back in 1919, I, went, I jumped to yeah. that year okay. in baseball because it's, it's a famous yeah. year. Yes, it is. Um, it, they played 140 games that season. Oh, okay. But still 20 games last. Yeah. Year. So, but or uh, yeah. 40 games. Is it 100? It's 180 games, right? That they 182 games. Well, it's 180. I think it's 168 in the regular season, and and then by the time you get to the World Series, it's up to 27 more games, something like that. Wow, you 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 you're you're uh, you're breaking up, but you're breaking up. Your audio is breaking go. up in a very cool way. It sounded like somebody yeah, plucking yeah. the strings mm -hmm. of a guitar. Okay, so. Oh, well, what, 
what's happening? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes. <laughs> okay. So my, um, I'm walking into my office, so it's probably switching networks. Yeah. But it was going, bop, 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 yep. bop, bop. <clears throat> it was kind of melodic. <laughs> and it, and it sounded it. like a, a synthesized string tone. So kind of like one of those cheap, cheap fake synthesizers you get and you put it on strings and it goes boing, boing. Oh. So. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So what else? Oh, uh, there was something else I was going to say. Oh, yeah. So uh, using it as an illustration in this regards, you know, the people not liking that there's somebody, you know, new, but at some point you got to embrace the new and the new talent and you've got to stop comparison, comparison, you know, between the old and the new. Yeah. There's yeah. different times, different people. And you just got to appreciate, just appreciate what we're, what, what we're witnessing. Exactly. Here. Exactly. I say that with, uh, I say that with LeBron when people do the LeBron and Michael Jordan comparisons and they get these big, stupid, dumb arguments. And I'm just like, dude, I got to watch Jordan as a kid. And now I'm getting to watch LeBron and I'm just appreciating that I, you know, the greatness, Kevin Durant, Kobe Bryant, you know, enough with the comparisons. Chris, uh, Chris Paul. Yeah, Chris Paul, enough of these stupid comparisons and just enjoy. Um, yes, the game's different. Of course, so was it in the 90s compared to the 70s. And so oh, exactly. was it in the 70s compared to the 50s. And Yeah, so, I mean, we can, yeah. we can throw back decades and you can see that there's particular styles or yeah. certain proficiencies or an emphasis. Um, yep. So just appreciate what you are witnessing instead of, and everybody wants to complain about um, today a lot of athletes being activists but that's always been true like that's always been a thing oh that's that yeah I don't think there's anything really new about that um, yeah, especially reason, since like uh, let's see who who were some athlete athletic activists back in the Kareem old Abdul -Jabbar. Kareem Abdul -Jabbar. back in the older days older older days oh uh, <clears throat> let's see Babe, Didrick, Babe Didrikson Zaharia. There you go. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a great throwback. Was that the 30s? Yeah. Yeah. And she was phenomenal, man, as an athlete. Now, and what, what, she was very was, involved in political stuff. And wasn't stuff. she? Yeah. Was she a dual sport athlete? Yeah, she golf and she did some uh, was it I tennis, tennis, and then even did a little uh, softball stuff. And whatnot. I think might even in her younger days did some track stuff. I'm pretty sure. Maybe Phil. I think, maybe Phil. I think you're right. She, uh, yeah, she, uh, she got two gold medals in the 1932 Summer Olympics. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, she was impressive. Yes, indeed. Okay, but also, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Muhammad Ali. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I already said Karim Abdul Jabbar. Uh, what about, what about non, I mean, is, would you say, I don't know if he's actually an activist or just uh, a really good role model. Think of Jim Thorpe. I almost said Jim Thorpe. I mean, just his life and career alone. Right. Right. Is a, yep. Yep. Yeah. He himself, I don't think he was too vocal, but I mean, just his presence, just his life, just his, and you know, all that, it makes him a, made him a statement for the time. So, right. Yep. 
Indeed. So yeah, it's not necessarily a new thing. Uh, there, I was watching um, a documentary from NBC on the 1968. It's just called 1968, and it's a sports documentary, and it Ooh. brings you know brings up those you know, the, some of the stuff that you, you mentioned. It may, I think it brings up Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, brings up Muhammad oh. Ali, uh, and then uh, the 1968 Olympics. Uh, previous, and I've mentioned this before, uh, uh, Dr. Edwards, I forgot his first name, you know, um, kind of was leading this revolution of the black athlete at the time, yep. where there was the option for a lot of athletes to um, boycott, you know, if the, the Olympic trials as well as other, other events. And rather than boycott, they decided to make a statement by their presence there. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, and so the Olympics kind of, you know, was a, was was probably the most memorable thing that year, uh, especially when uh, Tommy uh, Smith and John uh, Car- Carlos Carlos, yeah, uh, did did the uh, the salute there uh, with the gloves on. Oh yeah. But but um, and even that that was a, that was interesting because the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, wanted to. Uh, take away their medals after that, yep. but the U.S. ATF uh, fought on their behalf to make sure they would not be. Um, what's the word? Demetalled? Uh, De merited? Yeah. And <laughs> and and if I understand the story, the head of the IOC actually had connections. Or with white supremacist uh, groups, mm-hmm. and was was uh, predisposed perhaps to to yeah. negate them I, on any chance. And the USATF really went to bat for them. Um, awesome. USA Track and Field though has a big job to do right now, and they need to get it yes. done quickly because there's um, uh, U.S. athletes who are stuck uh, in the Olympics. Yeah. The Olympics, the the second O of the day. Here we go. We're going to talk some Olympics because it's coming up. Boy. And, and I, I get focused on track and field just because that's kind of my focus. Right. But we have we have uh, a Nigerian four by four team that has been uh, eliminated. Now, in, in the four by four, the first lap, they run in staggered lanes. The second runner in the 400. Yeah the second person in the relay after they take a hundred meters around the first turn, there's a series of cones that tell them that they can cut across and they all can run for that inside lane. Yeah. And in the trials for the, this, this team, the cones were not set correctly. And even though they won the four by four, they have been disqualified from the Olympics because the judges didn't do their job correctly. Oh my word. It's like, wait, no, they, they, they still won and everybody ran the same race, even yeah. though it was run, you know, incorrectly. Wait, 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 wait. So how, what would they do for that? Uh, they, they, they there's whatever race it was. Uh, they're, they're not in Nambia. It was in Nigeria. It was with the end. Um, so the- but, so their entire country can't send anyone. Yeah, they didn't have a qualifying four by four team or something like that. Wow. And it's like uh, the judges blew it. You know, that's a problem. Oh 
my and gosh. then uh, it's you know it's it was uh, last year that Semenya, the uh, 800 meter world record holder from South Africa, was told she can never compete again in the Olympics, and it was reiterated again recently. And because she has a natural hormone disorder that raises her uh, testosterone, um, she's uh, Semenya from uh, oh yeah okay yeah yeah. And so she she doesn't dope, she doesn't do anything, but she just has a naturally high testosterone. Oh, come on. But because she doesn't meet the uh the standard, she's she exceeds it, she's she has a lifetime ban uh from competing in her event in the Olympics. Oh, um, I mean that's a that so that's, sad. That's a sad issue. Uh nothing she did, and you know then we go to uh, and, uh, you know, my first example and then this this example is I get confused between Nigeria and uh, either Namib- Namib- Namibia. Uh, I can't remember which one it was. This one has two uh, young women um, who qualified for the Olympics in the 400 meter race, but they yeah. too have a higher than uh, standard testosterone level. They have kind of the Semenya issue. And so they're disqualified from competing in the 400 meter. However, and I don't understand this, they do have the availability to them to run in the 200 meter race. Yeah. It's like, wait, your, your hormones are too high for one race, but not too high for another. Wow. Different races have different standards. This is insane. So then, yeah. So that's, that's the whole uh, issue about hormones, testosterone, and doping that's going on that, that, you know, some athletes will do that to get the edge, you know, and that was a whole thing that was going back in the seventies and eighties with Olympic athletes, especially women getting doped with male, uh, uh, hormones to increase their performance, to get that performance edge. But, but then, then performance enhancing drugs. Now, other ways of performance enhancing drugs, enhancing one's ability can have to do with reducing inflammation and increasing um, pulmonary activity. So you can breathe deeply and you don't get pain as, as soon, but that, yeah. and so that is a performance enhancement, but that usually happens only for long distance runners. Yeah. And one of the uh, performance enhancers that is banned by the Olympics is um, any cannabis uh, products, you know? Sure. And so even CBD oils and those kinds of things are frowned upon. And so when Shikari uh, Richardson. Yeah. uh, Shikari. Yeah. She gets, she gets banned from the Olympics or she gets banned for 30 days because she had marijuana in, in a test. Uh, And it's like, well, wait, it's not a performance enhancement for a sprinter. It wasn't related to the sprint that she had done. Right. And it's also something that's legal. It, it is legal right. where she did it. Right. And okay, the thing so that's cool about it. her, she said, yes, I did that. Uh, she was upfront about it. Uh, she gave uh, some, uh, she gave, she not a justification, but she explained herself, you know, yeah. how it came to be. Yeah. Um, and she's also somewhat, I think, willing to take the punishment for it. Sure. Uh, I mean, she knew the rules. But that's a rule that needs to change. Oh, so dumb. That one's dumb. <laughs> well, if they will make adjustments between a 400 and a 200 on one thing, <clears throat> why can't they make an adjustment for events where clearly 
you know, marijuana isn't going to help her. In her yeah. Even, yeah. In fact, it might, it might hurt her. Honestly, exactly. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, now I've, I've never, I've never had pot, never had any marijuana brownies or anything like that. And so <laughs> I don't know, but my hunch is it's not there to make you be faster. No, <laughs> no, it does not make you faster. My hunch is you'd be in the blocks, you hear the starting gun, you go, wow. Oh, that was that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Oh, plus, as you, okay, so I didn't know that wrinkle. I knew that um, why she had uh, taken it, which, by yeah. the way, I just learned yesterday <clears throat> that um, I knew it was related to the death of her mother, which I right. completely understand. You know, that's tra traumatic. But did you know that the way she found out, did you hear about oh, that? It's horrible. from a reporter. was from, yeah. from a reporter. So, I mean, double trauma, man. Like double oh, trauma, double traumatic. And, and, and <laughs> you know, so she's out for 30 days, which means she can't compete for 30 days. Uh, but, I mean, she can work out. She can be available. Sure. She might she there's a very slight possibility that she can compete in the in the semis for the 100 meter oh, uh but the the team uh the the u.s usatf and u.s ios uh u.s olympic committee is trying to see if she can be in the four by one so she can at least run the relay yeah oh geez now there's there's one one more case that that bothers me here yeah and this okay. is this, this is not getting the limelight and it's yeah. it's uh brianna rollins Yes. Okay. Tell us and about so, this one. And so she, she it, there, there is a there is a schedule of drug tests that these uh, perform these athletes have to to take, and I think it's three times a year. It's it's a three or four times a year, and it's just a regular check in blood test, and it just monitors where they are. So uh, they might be anywhere in the world. They have to get the blood test. Uh, they they check to make sure they're not doping. You know that they're that they're clean, right. they're a clean athlete. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, this was back in 2000, back in 2020, okay. when the Olympics were going to be in 2020. Yes. And she was anticipating going to the Olympics when she found out she was pregnant. Oh. And so okay. she, she had an abortion okay. because she kind of thought that was what she needed to do. Okay. And I, I feel so sorry for her because she's a, a a woman who believes that abortion is not, you know, it's not, it's not, it's definitely not the best choice. She, you know, may even be considered for her interfaith tradition, the wrong choice. Sure. And so she was dealing with emotional anxiety and guilt about that. Um, kind of that, po kind of, I think she called it a post-traumatic kind of oh, yeah. uh, period yep. um, following the abortion. Yep. And, when um, the 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 people who do the drug tests, I forgot the 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 uh, drug integrity unit or whatever they're called, contacted her. She wasn't answering the phone. She wasn't responding to you know their 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 inquiries because she was actually it was the day after her abortion. I think it was. She said. And and so she was just not in the in shape to to respond. And then yeah. when she did respond, she looked at the doctor's note that said the abortion had taken place on whatever date it was, you know, say the 10th of something. 
Yeah. She said she she knew that that was the wrong date, so she changed the, the form to say it was on the eleventh because it was off by a day. Oh no. And she uh-huh. so she submitted the forms, and when the forms were received, the 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 this this unit that does the the, the accountability recognized yeah. that the date was actually the tenth, and she had changed the medical record to a different date. Oh. And so basically she's been accused of not taking the test, which is, which is, uh, there's a, there's a discipline for that. Okay. And then for altering medical records. Yeah. Right. Oh no. I mean, and you know, technically that could be huge. I mean, altering medical records, but if the only thing you alter is the date by 24 hours. Right. And so her ban, her ban is for five years. Oh my gosh! And so, as a 29 year old athlete, oh, this done. is her last chance to go to the Olympics, most likely. Yeah. She doesn't get it. The next time around, she's going to be 34, 33. Yeah. And she's like, she's thinking this is the end of her track career. Yeah. Now, here, to me, here's the kicker, and I don't know how many people have noticed this. All of these are women, and all of yep. them are black. Yep. Yep. Why? What? Uh, how far we've not come. Oh no! It, 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 it's um. It makes it makes me uh, it makes me sad for the Olympics. Um, yeah, that's your best best out there, man. You you do, and you you want, and you want to feel good about those who are there. Yeah. Um, And if you are there, you want to feel good about being there. Not like I didn't actually earn this, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Somebody got bumped off so I could move up one. Yeah. And and they got bumped off for less than legitimate reasons. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yep. I would not sit well with me. Dude, wouldn't it be amazing? Okay. I'm not going to tell people what they should do, but wouldn't it be amazing if the entire track and field team was like, then we're not going. None of us. That's, oh man! To the oh, I know that, that that crossed my mind. So what is you know what is the uh, uh, you know U.S. track team do? They go, you know what? That's bogus. We're not going. Yeah. But Ooh. you know, you know, these athletes have been training their whole life to oh, do this. It's just <laughs> too much to, to do. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Oh, um, and and the difference between the fourth person who gets bumped up because now they're three because number one or two got bumped out. You know, that yeah. number four person, they're only off by oh, hundreds or maybe tenths of a second. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But it's just, it feels like it's tarnished. Oh, yeah, big time already. We haven't and, even started yet. And and I fear it's tarnished, you know, for, you know, this kind of intersection of of athletes. It's the women athletes who are, uh, African or African American. Yep. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah, imagine you're a, a nine-year-old kid right now, and this whole last year has been like, okay, I think we're we could be making some some progress, some real change, or it seems like there's a winds of, and then this happens, and now you're like, oh, jeez, oh, like. Yeah. I wanted to, I potentially wanted to run for the United States one day. Yeah. And then forget that or whatever, you know? 
<laughs> yeah, and and uh, it's it feels so sad. The uneven. I mean, I'm sure there are some men who have gone through similar discipline, mm -hmm. perhaps, and the accountability sure. measures are applied to, to a number of athletes. But it really seems, especially the hormone one, falls unevenly yeah. on women athletes. And the right. fact that so far right now, most of the controversy in the Olympics has to do with African-Americans. There's the other yeah. side issue for the specialty swim caps for African-Americans yeah. uh, yeah. and, and the particular kind of needs for uh, their hair. Hair, yeah, exactly. And, and no, they can't yeah. wear that. And it's like, yep. uh, seriously? How much more are you going to take away? I mean, boom, boom, boom. Yeah. Like, even if you're not, like, okay, let's say it's not, okay, let's say it's not because of implicit bias. How are, can you make a case it's not <laughs> because it's just boom 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 all yeah. against one group of people oh geez yeah so yeah so there's no way no way because you this is true too i mean because this this is now encapsulates not just uh, people of color but also transgender or yep or uh or or just women with just uh unnatural or not unnatural natural um increase of testosterone there's not there there's no way a man is going to get eliminated from the olympics because he has too much natural testosterone right you know that's not going to happen yeah no matter how much he has as long as it's natural well and it, it 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 brings up you know uh i guess if a woman had too much female hormone would it be noticed yeah right um, oh my gosh and so the issue, it goes back to uh, in another completely unrelated topic, but, you know, in, in uh, athletics, you earn your qualifications based on merit. Yeah. And the merit, the, the one thing I really love about track and field, the merit is a tape measure and a clock. That's, that's, that's right. all. That's it. And that's a pretty objective standard. Yep. Um, and the merit, though, of being faster, being stronger increases with male hormone yeah and so the merit itself is kind of slanted that's true. automatically <laughs> right um and that, and that just makes it kind of a difficult thing from the outset yeah so nice. but yeah so the olympics are, are to me right now are, are tarnished i really wish that these cases all of them uh, in their different ways could be opportunities for the Olympics, for athletics in general, uh, for uh, equipment folks, you know, Nike and others, you know, who yeah. make swim caps or whatever to, yeah. to get to work and, and find a way to make, you know, these high performing athletes make sure that they're able to share their talents. Yeah, exactly. Well, cause, Oh my gosh, man. Think about, I'm thinking about this, uh, Semenya, Semenya, yeah. Like this is this has been her life, man. And now you're gonna like ban her from it because of something literally out of her control. Like, do you want yep. her then to take a drug to eliminate her <laughs> her uh, testosterone levels? But yeah, then would so that you... be a, a drug that uh, a, you know, not performance enhancing, but performance 
disenhancer or whatever. <laughs> yeah, performance enabling in this case because it would enable her to perform. Yeah. Uh, um, so I do, I do believe that she had gotten an invitation from a rugby team, I believe, in South Africa to, okay. to play on their team, on a women's team. Uh, yeah. and, and that, that their rules allow that. So, I mean, hmm. it's kind of this transition to another sport, oh, wow. but it's not the sport that she's committed her life it. to. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh I mean, the, the other, the other example is, uh, for a different, whole different set of reasons is, uh, Lolo Jones. Oh yeah. Who, after she kind of had her, uh, track career, she still is a professional track athlete. Mm-hmm. But she kind of realized her uh, Olympic time had passed. I mean, she's 37, maybe. So last year, two years ago, she transitioned to um, uh, bobsled. Oh, that's right. Of course. And then last year won the, uh, her her team, she and her driver, they won the um, world championships. Um, Awesome. You know, it's like. And, yeah, but that was a choice to change. Yeah, right. The, you know the sport. Yep. Um, yeah. Wow. So that. So to me, that's you know just examples of issues of injustice. Um, yep. In in yeah. sports, which has been this place that brings people together. Yeah, Olympics. I mean, come on. And and now it's really excluding a, a particular class of of athlete. Jeez, oh, man. Yeah, Olympics are supposed to unite the world. That's a whole deal. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, homiletically, it's kind of like Jesus in the in the marketplace, in the in the the courtyard of the temple. You know, this is meant to be here for all people. Yeah. Um, yeah, and you've made it into a den of robbers. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Should we not watch the Olympics? I. I... <laughs> What should we do? What can we do? That's great. I mean, to me, I, I, I know there's different independent lobbying efforts through like change.org, yeah. um, you know, that are trying to petition for changes in the rules or re, you know, uh, opening these cases and, you know, uh, giving these athletes a, another opportunity to, to be considered. But I, I, I also wonder, and I don't know it, how does the public become involved in something that they don't do? Now, you know, for instance, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm part of USA Track and Field. It's part of my credentialing. It's part of my work. Sure. It's because of what I do. But how do you become yeah. a voice to the USATF or the International Olympic Committee? You know, yeah, do they do, do they do they represent the spectator? Um, yeah. And I think that's part of the change is saying, yeah, they should. You know, we, yep. we would like to have our voice heard. Yeah, but then because, that's a whole other can of worms, too. Right. So, so the International Olympic Committee. Um, how? Yeah, I don't. When do they meet? How do they meet? Do they take public uh, input or have a forum where the public can weigh in on these things? What is that? Or do they only hear or respond to, you know, the world leaders? Basically. Yeah, I know, so if, if anybody knows, let us know. Okay. Well, because I know AOC and a couple others drafted a letter and sent it to, I believe, the IOC. And I think they did that in response to Shakari Johnson, uh, Shakari Richardson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Oh, man. There's, there's so many others out there. And those are the ones that are in the news. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, there could be even more. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Uh, remember yeah, this... a couple of years ago we had on uh, my friend Dustin, who yes. was the uh, trainer. His wife was a shot putter and she was disqualified because of she was taking, um, she was recovering from an injury and she was taking something for the injury, not for any other Right, you know, not not to enhance her abilities. It was a recover, which I'm sure that needs to be well regulated too, because you can get a leg up or an advantage on people in your recovery right. time, I guess too. But but yeah, I mean that's what it was for. It was prescribed by her doctor, but it eliminated right. her from. Yeah, yeah. So it's not even it's not even uh, the issue of like covert, you know, trying to um, work your way around the rules. It's just yeah. yeah. Probably too much. And probably the list changes all the time of what's, you know, allowed and not allowed as far as substances or medicines and to keep up yeah. on that. I mean, and, and oh. part of it for, for the, this caliber of athletes, at least in the U S um, they have, they have a whole entourage of people who are yeah. working with them. I mean, it, yeah. you know, these, these athletes have trainers, they have nutritionists they they probably even have um you know counselors or, or yeah. uh, you know some somebody working with sports psychology plus their coach and they're also uh -huh. sponsored you know yeah. by major corporations you know adidas yeah. nike puma um there's tons of resources in those organizations to do two things one is to lobby the groups that are um punishing their athletes Yep. But they also have the the knowledge base to make sure their athletes can stay clean. <laughs> right. Uh, yep. That 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 you know they they know the rules and it's like oh your your doctor says you should be taking this medication but the others go well we can't take that one is there an alternative you know yeah um, yep. and so it's I don't think it's just the athletes themselves uh, yeah. those around them who who share the responsibility. That's right. Yeah, in fact, they, they probably, they're supposed to be people on their team specifically, so they just don't have to spend mental and time, <laughs> energy and time on keeping up with that. So, yeah, so yeah. Even, when, even when the rules change, it shouldn't be yeah. on the athlete to have to keep, it up, keep up with that. Yeah, oh my gosh. Yeah, just go out and train. You, that, you yeah. focus on that. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. your job. Yep. Yep. Wow. So that that'll be some that that's something that I'll be watching in the Olympics because my hunch is when they when the track and field coverage comes on that's going to be some of the commentating going on in the, oh, sure. the, the additional yep. commentary acknowledging who is not there. That's right. So Do you say uh, uh, it sounded like you were saying there's a possibility for Richardson to do something still? Right. So there may be a because hers is a a 30 day suspension. Okay. So you know, uh, at the end of that 30 days, the Olympics are going on yeah. already. Uh, so she's not automatically, I don't believe, prohibited from going to the Olympics and oh. being part of the U.S. team. She just can't compete within that 30-day window. Oh, wow. And so... Rain um, delays. Let's get some rain delays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, rain delays, uh, you know, Japan, only 6% of the population is vaccinated. Maybe there's other delays oh, yeah. as far as, you know, health and safety. 
Um, but you know, it, it's, it's not right that an athlete should hope for some kind of misfortune <laughs> in order to get right. their shot, you know? Yep. Um, yep. but it, it's just, it's really, uh, it's just quite disappointing that all that's going on. Mm, that's good. Yep. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's kind of a closed club. You know, it's all, you know, they have their, the rules, they have their way of doing things and it doesn't seem like there's openness for others to enter into the, you know, there's not like a, a room for a defense attorney, you know, to come and, right. you know, to argue. It's just, it's just the way it is. You know, some uh, systems are closed, but others are open. Uh, oh, Oh, open. Oh, open. Oh, wait, open. That's not only are they open, not only are they open, they interact with those who are engaged. And so they, they, oh. they foster relationship and they, they thrive oh, on relationship. Relational to me. Yeah. It's, so it's both open and relational. And relational. I, yeah. That sounds so familiar for some reason. Yeah. I, I, you know, we had, who's that guy we talked to once in a while about open stuff? Uh, Tim? Uh, Tim? Thomas, no, Tim, Tom, Timothy. J. Tim J. J. T. J. T. J. Ord. T. J. Ord. That's it. Oh man, Tom Ord, the beloved love doctor, doctor of love, the outlaw theologian of love. Uh, we've we not like thrown that term around for a while. <laughs> we like to call him that here from time to time. We, we well, still need to have. A, we still need to start our annual conferences. The oh, uh, man, Theologians I, of Love conference. Dude, we've got to do this. So, but we'll talk more about that another time. What I want to talk about right now, because you brought it up, uh, you said two words that I think are important: open and relational, and Doctor Ord. That's a lot more than that that's wrote, a lot more than two. <laughs> which reminds me, he wrote a book. That just he wrote out. a book. He wrote a book. Called, wasn't it called Open and Relational Theology? Yes, an introduction to life-changing ideas by the good doctor. By the or, good doctor. Is that <laughs> is that in the subtitle, the good doctor? <laughs> by the good doctor. No, that'd be cool if it were in there. What I think is one of there's several things that are really cool about this book, and we're gonna unpack those. But one of the coolest things, in my humble opinion is that the very first endorsement at the top of the back cover is you and me, yours no truly. Yes. Us trulys. That is, that is um, yes, I, we, I noticed we, that immediately. We are above Pete Enns. Greg Boyd. Jay McDaniel. Tri uh, 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 Trip Fuller. Frost, Trip Fuller. Uh, other people, I don't really. I'm sure they're. Oh, Keith Giles. We now, like now, that guy. Could it? Could it be that we just chose the best name for our podcast? It begins with the letter A. Shh, shh. Don't say that. Well, hey, it next season clearly, we can. Next yeah. season we can come out with our new uh, podcast name. Triple uh, A, all that's holy. <laughs> You're gone. Are you there? Cody's disappeared. Hello? Hello? Craig. Are you yeah. there? Okay. 
something I was, I think my phone was trying to ring. It always cuts into my audio when it does that. There you anyway, go. what were you saying? Oh, I was going to say next we can change year. our name next season to the AAA, all that's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. <laughs> so that people definitely find us first and listen. Yeah, keep, keep the no, edge. No, clearly it has to do with, um, uh, it definitely does not have to do with that. It has to okay. do with our influence and knowledge and, you know, <laughs> it, 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 all that it, good stuff. It must. It yeah. must. <clears throat> don't don't try to rain on our parade, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what I like is these are all, these are all one word uh, endorsements. I thought that was a fascinating um, way to go about Approach. it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I'm looking. Some people got a little creative, you know, so that they could stretch it a bit. Like this dude at the bottom, Tim Victor of the urban mystic podcast. I may have to check that out. Kind of sounds interesting. Uh, he chose the word revolutionary, but he needed to make sure we understood. It's also um, in the realm of evolutionary. So he put in a little creative grammatical thing. So it would say, evolutionary uh. <laughs> and then someone else used two words but had a hyphen so they say, oh no <laughs> two, two people did that no three people did that you know there was if we could have used a hyphen yeah uh, who knows how many words we could get into there string together because this one is thought-provoking <laughs> with the hyphen because I, I don't know that I've ever seen thought-provoking with a hyphen. <laughs> but another one no. is peace-bringing, peace-bringing. And then another one is user-friendly, which I have seen that Okay, one now that, that one, that that one, one seems one. legit. Yeah. That, but but <laughs> thought-provoking and peace-bringing, I don't know. I don't know. Stretch. A bit of a stretch. But, but we'll take it. Especially... Since we're top bill, we'll let it slide. Well, yeah, I think that's probably um, – there's probably a word for people who complain when they're number one. <laughs> that's, yeah, we want to avoid being whatever that is. Yeah, it's just so, – Disregard yeah. everything I just said. Yeah. Not a complaint at all, just merely an observation. Yeah, it's – I mean, it, it, it is when you're, in a, when you're in a position to look down on others – I mean, not not in a negative way. I just mean from the vantage point, you know. Sure, right. I mean, yeah. then you see all that, you know, has gone on. You know, That's so. right. Oh, like uh, some people's view of God is that. <laughs> exactly. But not Mr. Ord. So tell me, tell so, me, how, okay. does, how does Tom take, I mean, because open and relational theology, you know, it connects philosophically with process, thought. Yeah. Yep. It um, it yeah. deals with issues of science in a rather open, uh, not open. What's yeah. another word? In a rather uh, 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 generous, maybe, generous or, way. Uh, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but but yeah, not controlled so, by science. It has a positive view of science. That's right. Exactly. Uh, but it's not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But but you put philosophy, you put philosophy and science together, and all of a sudden you've got people. They're getting their eyes are getting glassy. And they're going. This just sounds too hard. <laughs> that's true. 
Well, that's why Tom wrote this book, actually. So it's a very, what I appreciate most about it is it really, so uh, open and relational theology, I think is best understood, not as a, a theology, but more like a grouping of theologies, if that makes sense. So okay. open and relational theology has a, a spectrum, really. Like um, you mentioned process theology, but there's all the way from that, like some people might view that as like a one extreme, but then there's all the way to um, views of open where it's, so the open, just so that people know and understand is the view of the future. How open is the future? Right. <clears throat> and so well, there and are that, some it, people. Say, uh, and say some more of that idea of openness of the future. Is that, yeah, yeah. I guess you're probably going to do that, but is that, yeah. is that, pushing against the ideas of predestination or yeah. reformed tradition. Yep. Yeah. So it's about like how settled the future is. Oh. So an open, open is more like, we think there's a lot more to it. That's not settled, that it is indeed open. There's open for some change. And so there's variants of that. So some it's all the way, it's not settled at all. You know, like every moment is completely, not a surprise, but I mean, it's new, it's uh, unexpected. It's, uh, it can, it takes the input from before. So it's still informed by, you know, the past. So there is some resonance of like a little predictability, right? Because if you're using science, you gotta be able to make, uh, you know, like the inputs inform a bit, but there's that all the way to, you know, we know that the future is settled as far as like God's goals and what God wants and, you know, heaven in the future, that kind of thing. Uh, but how we get there isn't so settled. So there's some variance in the open community of uh, <clears throat> theology. But yeah, so that's the open part. That's why the open, it's two different distinct parts. Open is about the future and relational is, well, I mean, you know, relational. It's like how God interacts with uh, everything. <laughs> so, and uh, so what Tom does in this book, it's an introduction to that. So rather than going to the weeds of the entire spectrum of open relational theology, it's a very basic, it's like a start of a conversation, if that's, if, if that helps you. Yeah. Think of it. Yeah. So yeah, because it, it, it really, and in fact, one of the more helpful things about the book is okay so you've began this conversation where do i go next and he has an entire list of uh, people and theologians and thinkers who are open and relational and a list of some of their writings that you can consult in fact uh, that's one entire section of his like appendix part is called going deeper and it's uh it really is it, it gets you oh so that's that's in the appendix <laughs> yeah so Tom is one of those guys. Yes, there's several writers in this category, but he's definitely one of them. He's one of those guys that you need to read the acknowledgments, the introduction, the yeah. foreword. You need yep. to read the you know, read epilogues, conclusions, uh, <laughs> and appendices. Appendices. Because yes. yep. uh, a lot of people just jump into chapter one, go to the end of the last True. chapter, and then they don't read the front or back material. Oh, no. You Tom's stuff all. is always packed with lots of you know, yep. you know, meaningful stuff there. Yep. Yep. I, you definitely want to do that because the meat of it, the body that, you know, you say people typically read, um, th this is the blessing of Dr. Ward, in my opinion, 
is his ability to talk about these. I mean, open relational really does have some deep weed, uh, deep in the weeds philosophy and theology if you want to. But he presents in such a very clear, succinct, like I am literally like, like you would almost want to say he's like the uh, the authors that write the um, uh, a complete idiot's guide to you know whatever open <laughs> relational theology or uh, what's the other one the dumb no what's the there's the complete idiot's guide and then there's the um, for dummies yeah open all oh, right the for dummies books yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah for dummies yeah i mean he's he's just so reader friendly like you can understand what he's talking about because one he uses um so many real world personal stories and examples of people who you know he have connected with him over the course of his work talking about these issues so he uses those as springboards to talk about why this god you know why the need to think about god in an open and relational way, why this is a um, viable theology for people who are asking hard questions and, and wrestling with trauma and issues of, you know, suffering and loss and all that. So, yep. So I love that about his books. All of them so, have that, but this one has it uh, at the beginning, you know, springboard from actual stories of people he's uh had conversations with you know so one of the things that tom's also been able to do i think really well in his last several books is to take complex concepts and make them available to kind of the average reader yep. mm-hmm. um Absolutely. and and uh i mean he he really you know well the uh um the uncontrolled the uncontrolling love of god um uh, is that it yep. i'm mixing up my titles yeah yeah, so that one that, that one was a that one was a little bit thick for most people, but then when he came out with the books that a whole string of books that came out after that, yeah, uh, can't. right, those were so easily I think um, yes. approachable for for most readers. So yep. we would and, and this book is intended to be of a similar vein, right? That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. It's um, uh, it's almost like he began with like for him his like very um uh, singular concept called essential kenosis and so he doesn't really talk about that in this book he okay but i mean it's a it's a that's where he started you know kind of with the uh, uncontrolling love of god like i really introduced that concept but you but to get to that i mean it does involve a lot of really deep thinking so it's almost like it's like okay well the next book's going to be a step back and then it's like this one is even more of a step back because it's like an introduction to the entire spectrum of thought that is open and relational. So, okay, really, yeah, it really is like. Um, I, do you do you know the guy uh, Bob? Do you know Bob Cornwall or have seen his anything about him? His blogs or any of his? No, no. Okay, so he's a minister in I think Michigan, although I think he recently retired. But uh, he wrote a review of his book of Tom's book and then he talked about how it's like this is the book for people asking the question like should I even believe in <laughs> a god right now because of everything you know like going on in my life personally and everything that's going on in the world interesting like, so it's almost like it's the, from that so 
you know, so you'd start here with this one. Okay, well, here's a presentation of God, open and relational, that that works, can be very, that pragmatically works for someone asking these questions, like, does God even make sense right now? And then you could go to God can't, you know, so zeroing in a little bit more, and then to the uncontrolling love of God. So it's like, yeah, it kind of works both ways, you know? Like Interesting. That'd be fun to, to uh, have a class reading the works of Tom Ord. Yeah. Gosh, I wonder, where you could, I wonder where you could find a school that would do that. Ah, my friend, I know of such a thing. <laughs> there is such a place. There is a thing. It's uh, Northwind Theological Seminary. And really, actually, it's the Center for, Pro, uh, Center for Open and Relational Theology, which Tom is the director of, right. in partnership with the Northwind Theological Seminary. Uh, yeah, they have a whole degree program on open and relational theology that you can get, I believe, both a master's and a doctorate. So one of the things to, um, you know, for, for a listener to be aware of is the shorthand for open and relational theology is ORT. ORT. Or and, is, and is that part of, isn't that the, the web address for the? Yeah, yeah I believe it is. Um, is it C4ORT? Yeah, I believe C4, so. C and the number four, ORT, like so center for open and relational theology. Right. So, uh, org, yeah, and, and I do believe one or of the projects com? it might be dot com. Well, well, probably if you did a if you did the C four ORT search, you'd get it yeah. one way or the other. Um, sure. The 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 one project I think Tom needs to work on is another word for theology that <laughs> begins with the letter D. So it'll match up with his name. Yeah, so it'll be ORD, open and relational, ORD. open and relational dialogue discussion. <laughs> <laughs> diatribe oh, uh, uh, there you go dialectic diatribe. and then in parentheses about god because yes. you know, <laughs> theology is literally words about god or words of god or so oh, open or and relational uh no i lost it never mind <laughs> okay keep working on it buddy yeah we'll keep working on it so <laughs> Well, I think, you know, uh, we, I, I need to, we need to shut down our, our episode today, but okay. I do, I do have a question. Yes. So I'm open for your question. This is, um, and, and for any listener who has followed us this far yet in this podcast, in this episode. Uh, <laughs> so I was, I was are, do you follow preachers and sneakers at all? Yeah, every now and then I, I do check yeah. it out. I, I read yep. his book. It, it's it's a great it's a great simple read. I really enjoy hearing his pilgrimage, uh, uh, Kirby Ben Kirby. But um, he was in uh, his latest episode on his podcast. He said something to the effect of, uh, "This is episode this this is season three of the of our of our uh, podcast." And he was like, "I I don't know why it's season three. I, and I don't know what concluded season two, but let's just call it season three. We're starting the next season. Oh, that's funny. I'm wondering, are we on? We restarted we this about a year ago, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty close. Are, yep. are, are we on the next season soon? It's got to be. It's got to be about right. 
I think the best way to establish season ends and season beginnings is to make them completely arbitrary. I love it. So who needs a re- who needs a rhyme or a reason? Exactly. Let's keep it. Let's keep it something worth pondering. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, um, dude, <clears throat> we're at like, <clears throat> excuse me, this will be episode fifty-four. Yes, it'll be episode 54 according to you and me, but not according to Apple. Oh, what does it say on Apple? Apple says we've had 51, I think, episodes. Oh, how lame. And so when we when you posted the episode with um, uh, yeah, Kaylee, mm-hmm. we, um, I think that maybe made it 52. Okay. And so let, I, think we, I, think, I think we called it 52A. Yes. So when we put up the second part, which we've already done by the time anybody listens to this. Oh yeah. That yes. one will be 52 a. Yep. And then this one will be 53. I think we'll be on in sync by that time with, uh, okay. With uh, Apple. <laughs> oh, Oh, Apple. Yeah. So, well, it's nice of them to share our content with everybody. That is true. Uh-huh. Gotta, gotta love that. Yeah. As they take over the world. Wait, are they? I can't remember. Who's the corporate giant we're supposed to fear these days? Oh, gosh. Amazon, Google, Apple, Facebook, probably all of them. Yes. Oh, man. That actually, did you know? I don't know if you know this, Craig. I'm, I, I don't know. Maybe we could talk about this on another episode. But did you know that every summer, except for last summer because of the pandemic, but since the 1930s, like 1936, the biggest media and uh, uh, media conglomerations and the biggest corporate entities, especially with that connect with media, meet in Idaho for a week long hangout and mashup. Where you're like, so, so go back and think about some of the biggest mergers of two businesses. So think of Amazon when they bought Washington Post, okay? That type of deal. Right. Or think of when Time merged with what was it? AOL or whatever. Well, it became Warner eventually, Time yeah, Warner. Yeah, 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 yeah. So think of those, those types of things. Those were all birthed in Idaho at those at that week long thing when they come together. And the whole goal is to get them together so that mergers like that happen. And it's, so how do ran, we... it's ran by this tiny family business called Allen something, Allen and something that nobody, know, that nobody knows much about them. And the only business they do literally is those types of mergers. And they will, the article I read, that family business lives off of the proceeds because they get a take of it. If, it. if it's birthed in that week-long meeting, they get a percentage of the, um, of the uh, whatever. And they can wow. go years. So like they can live five years, this business, off of one uh, merger that happened. <laughs> that happened. And, and if another one doesn't happen for like another decade, they're fine. But wow. they do it every year. Yeah, they host them every year in Sun Valley. And they do, you know, during the day, they just, it's fun, golf, kayak, um, Salmon River, or, or Snake River, or whatever it is, it's close by. Uh, snake, uh, salmon. No, it's and, the, uh, 
Big Wood, Big Wood River. Yeah. So they do all that and then, or golf, all that. But then the evening is more business, you know, business that get together. And yeah. So like, and they, the article I read said the last like 50 years worth of like your biggest media and corporate mergers were all birthed in that week long. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. I just learned about this too. So anyway, that's a, that's an awesome business plan. <laughs> right. <laughs> I should start just inviting people to my backyard. Mm-hmm. Start small. Yeah. <laughs> now listen, uh, who would it be for you in Boise? Let's see. Um, is Sockeye Brewing still around? Let's see if you yeah, can merge yeah. Sockeye Brewing and Ten Barrel Brewing. No, no, we need we need more diversity. So it'll be something oh, like true. Sockeye and, and a, like a restaurant or a, or a, no. Let's think uh, beyond the no, food. No, yeah, I'm thinking media, something like, like media. either media or uh, clothing. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, get on it, bud. Wow. Okay, anyway, time oh, to close. Oh, it should be stuff. Columbia. Columbia from Portland. Get Columbia Ooh, over here. Sockeye and Columbia uh, sports, sportswear. Mm, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll try to, I'll get some burgers and you send out the invites. <laughs> okay. Anyway, sorry about that tangent to end that. That's an awesome tangent. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Anyway, and that that fits in with the letter O because it is uh, organizational takeover. There you go. <laughs> or merging. That's it. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> okay. Love it. All right. And they say just just one more tidbit. This year's list of guests, their valued net worth will be over one trillion dollars. Oh my so, gosh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's those people, those people cover half of the infrastructure Mm -hmm. uh, bill before Congress. That's, uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. (laughs) And uh, you, you guys, I'll tell you, they're all going to get another trillion in profits probably because of that bill. Sure. Absolutely. Yep. Wow. Uh... (laughs) Wow. All All right. You know, it's kind of late in our careers to change paths, maybe. I don't know. We're kinda, <laughs> I think we're almost, uh, we're almost stuck at this we're point. We're al- almost used up. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, what's a o way to say goodbye? Okay. Off, See you later. <laughs> off we go. Off we go. Off we go. How about adios? Odios. Odios. Au revoir. Au revoir. Yeah, both of those I believe begin with the letter A, but it's okay. <laughs> it's all it's all in the sound. It's phonetics. That's right, exactly. All right. Peace. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
and look for upcoming Facebook Live podcasts where you can interact with our guests. Also, we can be found on Twitter as at All That's Holy. Our intro and outro music is by At The Speed Of Darkness. Support At The Speed Of Darkness on Bandcamp and buy his music there, as well as follow him on Instagram at At The Speed Of Darkness. 